Hallelujah. How many are ready for the word tonight? Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, for every opportunity to break bread, open up our hearts to hear from you tonight. We love you. We cherish you. You're valuable to us, Father. We do not take anything that you say lightly, Father, because your words carry weight. And so, Father, we we stand alert and with a sobriety of mind, Father, we contemplate everything that you speak to us through your word tonight. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. You can be seated. All right, let's give a good hand to the band. Thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all. Sounded great. Yep. Uh, j- chapter. Uh, we're going to go to John eleven thirty two, and uh, if you'll give me about fifteen minutes, I'm going to try to work this. Uh, John eleven thirty two through forty four, and just say amen when you're there. Everybody shout process. Oh, come on. Let's make it sound like it's a full room tonight. Process. All right. This is what we're going to deal with tonight because process is the one thing that we hate but cannot avoid. It's the one thing that we absolutely hate but cannot avoid. We cannot avoid process. You cannot get out of it. It don't matter how much you pray, how much you rebuke the devil, how much you, uh, you know, try to avoid the situations or the trials. You and I are going to be processed in everything in life. Where we fail in process is when we give up. You understand that when you give up, you're giving up on your dreams, you're giving up on all your potential, you're giving up on all of your future. Uh, it's, it's so important to understand what takes place in process. God is trying to prepare us for something that he's called us to. And most of us die in the process, never getting to the promise in our life. Uh, I don't know about you, but it, the years go by really, really fast. And we don't have as much time as we think we do in order to become what God has called us to be. Especially when you get older, it's just, you know, it, it just goes by faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. I'm 40. I'll be 41 this year. I'm looking back like, where did 20 years go? Where did 20 years of my life go that fast? Somebody asked me the other day, do you want any more kids? I said, man, I'll be 65 before they graduate. I'm not going to a graduation for my son at 65. I'm not doing that. I am done. I've been, no, the years go by. Listen, I, I, God has been gracious to give me two beautiful girls. I'm going to raise them and be able to walk when they graduate still. I know you can still walk at 65. 65, just, I, I just don't want to be 65 when they graduate. Uh, and so the years go by fast. It's quick. And you look up and you say, where did the time go? And it becomes something that you can almost regret if you look back and do not have. If you guys just feel the anointing switch? Oh, okay. My wife just walked in. Sorry. I could feel the presence. Feel it when she walked in. I'm joking, y'all. Um, but the years go by fast. So a lot of times people live out regrets because they look back and they say, what? did I not do? Why did I not take the the necessary step to become what God has called me to be? What giant did I choose not to face? You know, the truth is, we look at David and Goliath, the story of David and Goliath. Everybody is a David and everybody is a Goliath. Inside of us is a Goliath as well that we have to face. We have to look at our inward giants and we have to face that giant in order to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. You are never going to accidentally become what God has called you to be. 
It's going to be intentional decisions that you're going to have to make every single day of your life and face those things in order to become what God has called you to be. And I'm telling you, it's so important to understand that and to actually use the courage and the strength that the Holy Spirit gives us to be able to accomplish what God has called us to be. You have greatness on your life, but it's not a guarantee that you'll die great. The grave is filled with people who did not fulfill their potential. It's filled with it. There's more people there that have died unfulfilled than the people that died fulfilled. And it's so important that we actually face the hard giants in our life in order to become what God has called us to be. So process is an important thing. I want you to put this down if you're taking notes. God always does something in us before he does something through us. God always does something in us before. We all know the story of Joseph. We know what Joseph did. Joseph was... He had this crazy dream that the sun and the moon and the stars, they all bowed down to him. And he shared a dream with people that he thought loved him. And then all of a sudden the backlash came and, and they, they had envy in their heart and jealousy and all the stuff that was in their heart. Uh, see, I'm going to tell you something, man. When you start dreaming big and then taking steps towards that dream, you're going to find out who's with you. The moment you start actually making changes that benefit you, when you start loving yourself the right way, because I'm telling you, if some of us loved ourselves the right way, we would quit punishing ourselves for the decisions we're making. The problem is we don't love ourselves the right way. And then we get, we, we, we get in relationships that are compatible to our toxic thinking about ourselves. When you love yourself, you treat yourself better. You make decisions better. You pray about the things that you're, you're getting ready to engage in. And here's Joseph. He shares this dream and all of a sudden his blood, his own blood, his own kin... It's one thing if it's some dude off the street, but this is the people you grew up with your entire life. Soon as God showed him what he was to become, these people turned on him. They got jealous. See, jealousy flows from a lack of identity. It flows from a lack of identity. If you know who you are, you have no reason to be jealous of me. You have no reason to be jealous of the person next to you if you know who you are in God. These, these, these brothers had something internal in their hearts that needed to be rooted out. And it's, it's just like God to, to connect you with somebody who's, who's, who's doing big things in order to expose how you really feel about your own journey. And so the truth is, Joseph, in all of his dreaming and all of this glorious stuff that he's seen, I mean, this guy, God showed him the, 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 all of the best stuff, but he never showed him the slavery. He never showed him the betrayals. He never showed him Potiphar's wife. He never showed him that stuff. Because many times God will not show you what happens or needs to happen in the process because you're one from the promise. So he has to hide the process from us so that he can get us to the promise. Because once you get to the promise, now you've been tested in so many ways that you have the character now and the strength now to actually begin to, to, to use the promise for the glory of the kingdom. Had he never went through what he went through, he wouldn't have had the strength to forgive his brothers once he was in a position to punish them. You know God's doing something in your heart when you have the authority to punish somebody, but you choose grace. That's how you know what you went through is real, because when we go through things, that authenticates us. And so it's, it, there's no pretending to get to your promise. You're going to have to go through some things, and process is the key to developing our hearts so that we're ready for what God has called us to. Can you say amen? So look at here, I want to go here to, to John chapter 11, 32 through 44. 
Everybody say this. If you quit the process, come on, say, if you quit the process, you're quitting on the result. It's that simple. I, I like to work out. Man, I can't wait till we, the gyms open back up. But uh, I love to work out, get in the gym. And, and one thing that I'll, I, I always see when I'm uh, going up to the treadmill area is I always see people running, but many of them are running with pictures on the treadmill. And it's amazing to me because what they're doing is they're trying to have a, a picture in front of them that is encouraging them to keep going because that's what they want to achieve. That's how they want to look. That's how they want to, to uh, see themselves in the future. And the only way to get there is to keep running. Because you're burning the calories, you're doing the things that are necessary to get to what you're looking at. It's so important that if you quit on the process, you quit on the result. Growing hurts in the kingdom. Growing hurts in the kingdom because you have to face stuff about yourself that is ugly, that is nasty. You know, and it's, it's, it's so important to understand that when you are becoming what God has called you to be, a lot of times God has to take you back to certain demarcations in your life. And he has to take you back there, remind you of what actually took place and then speak truth to you about it. So that some real resolve and healing can take place. Right? I'll never forget when my father was on his deathbed, Shawnee and I went down to the, to the uh, hospital. And at this point, the doctors wasn't saying he was going to die. He had stage 3 cancer. Dad was an alcoholic um, and had drug abuse really his whole life. But when I seen my dad, I seen death on him. I knew it was coming. I, I seen it. Um, he was trying to encourage me. It just wasn't working because I knew that I was getting ready to lose my dad, and I knew it was coming. So I, uh, I, I, wa- I walked out of the room, walked down to the uh, end of the hallway, and I was looking out the window in the hospital there in Battle Creek, and I broke because I knew I was getting ready to have my last conversation with this man. Here's a man that is that has hurt me at every deep level, anything possible. He he's he he did it. Uh, failed me at a whole lot of levels. Uh, growing up, things that I should have known as a young man, I didn't know uh, because of his absence and all of these things. And I'll never forget, I went back in the room and had a conversation with Dad, and I was in there to actually tell Dad that I forgive him. And the first thing out of Dad's mouth is he said, "Son." Will you please forgive me? He said, I love you. And when he did that, it, Shawnee was in, I, I mean, I broke. It, it just, it killed me. I, I was broke, broken for probably 15 minutes. I couldn't even gather myself. Um, the reason why that was so important is because when he said that God had already been preparing my heart to forgive him. And the way that God prepared my heart was God wasn't, bringing back to my memory all of his failures that's not if that's all we're focusing on you're never going to get the strength to forgive somebody um that's why i said last week to know no man after the flesh you got to know him by the spirit and the truth is what god was revealing to me is not all of dad's failures but all of the people that failed dad and i started to look at him with more compassion because because i started to realize that he is nothing more than the byproduct of having been wounded himself And he did the best he could in his limited understanding because he was not fathered. And because of that, I now became the byproduct of generational baggage. See, the only way to fix generational curses is, believe it or not, there's nothing powerful about coming to the front of a church and standing in an altar. This This ain't sanctified and holy. This is just a different part of the building. 
The way you break gentle workers is not coming down the altar and saying, oh, I break it and declaring it, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. That ain't how you do it. It's called discipline and revelation. When God gives you revelation of something, then you discipline yourself to walk it out. And you begin to break habitual patterns that plagued your generation, and then you don't transfer them to the next generation. It's really that simple. You want to break generational curses, you're going to have to discipline yourself in areas so that it does not transfer to the next generation. You want to stop it from affecting your family. You want to stop it from, from, from plaguing the mindset of your family. I mean, how many of us have been uh, in an upbringing to where there were some things you wish you would never inherited? Right? How do you stop it? You got to discipline yourself. You got to get discipline that is coming, that is the fruit of revelation, not just discipline itself. You have to have a revelation from the Father. He has to begin to show you this is what you look like in me. This is this is how I see you. And then from that revelation, you accept that, and then you discipline yourself to walk out that structure by the grace of God. You cannot do it in your own strength. You're not strong enough to whip these temptations. You're not strong enough to whip these type of issues. Some of us are so deeply wounded. It's so deep in us that we don't even know where to begin when we start talking about healing. We don't even know where to begin because we're, our insides is, 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 is just tormented with all kinds of opposing realities. And we don't even know where to begin with that stuff. And so you need the Holy Spirit to begin to kind of get in the middle of that and untangle it all and start dealing with this here and that here because he knows how it's all interconnected. And he knows that if he takes this piece out, it's going to begin to affect the strength of this piece. And he knows that if I can deal with this first, then this is going to collapse over here. you got to trust the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't feel good to trust the Holy Spirit. Joseph... This dude, literally the worst thing and the best thing that happened to him was a dream of his future. Because it wasn't until he had a dream of who he was going to become that all hell broke loose. Had he never had the dream and seen his own greatness, he would have never had to face the betrayal of his brothers. Your greatness not only scares you, it scares others that are unwilling to actually pay the price that they need to pay to get to where God has called them to be. Amen? Let's lift your hands and say, I have greatness attached to me. You believe that? Look here, let's go here real quick. Uh, John eleven thirty two, 32, and we're going to stop at 44. Go ahead and read for me. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mm. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was laying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe... You would think that some things are obvious. Obviously there's going to be a stench, but why would they care about that? Why would that, like... 
He's saying remove the stone. Clearly, he's going to do a miracle. If he's God enough to raise him from death to life, he's got to be God enough to take away the smell. Sometimes the stuff that, that troubles people's minds are really minute. And it reveals their faith level in God. Like, man, really, you concerned about him stinking? The man's dead. The thing we got to deal with is he's dead. Not he stinks. Sometimes, you know, they said, well, had he been here, he could have healed him. Sometimes the will of God is death. Sometimes the will of God is death. We're trying to revive something that God's trying to kill in us. We're trying to hold on to things that God is trying to kill in us because it's that very thing that is holding us back from taking the necessary steps to become what he's called us to be. When God has got you in the season of death, that's the most frustrating season ever. Because it's like, man, he and, and he's relentless. The Holy Spirit is relentless. He's relentless. He never gives up. It don't matter where you go. He never gives up. People will give up on you, but the Holy Spirit will not. People will abandon you. Soon as you, soon as your struggle starts uh, interfering with what it is that they want out of life, then they will, you'll start to see their patience thin. The Holy Spirit's not like that. The Holy Spirit never gives up. He never abandons. He never forsakes us. He never leaves. And he's relentless. It's like sometimes like, man, get off me. But he won't because he loves you and he's not going to give up until you become what he's called you to be. There is a treasure in earthen vessels. Who put that treasure there? Daddy. And he's after it. He needs you to become what you're supposed to be. God actually cares about you fulfilling your destiny. Not just so that he can use you as a puppet so that you can accomplish his will. In his will is peace and happiness. God wants you to be happy. It burdens him when he sees his sons and his daughters living a life that is not filled with joy. God wants you to be happy and he understands how long some of us have walked around with torment. And he's trying to free you. But freedom always costs something. Freedom is never free. It always costs you something. Amen, somebody? So let's continue here. Watch this. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who died came forth, bound hand and foot. Now, let me, I did a series on this a couple years back, but I want to just, y'all probably don't remember it anyway, so it's probably, probably new anyway. So, but there were some details that I brought out about the coming forth of Lazarus. Now, if you ever been to Jerusalem or been to the actual place where um, Jesus removed the stone, if you go there, a lot of them are uh, landmarks, monuments that they, that tourists visit. The, the, the tomb of Lazarus wasn't like what you think it is to where, let's say he's in a dark tunnel and they have stone around it and then they just remove the stone and the guy got up. The, the actual tomb 
had steps, stairways, that go all the way down. And it's like four different stories of, of layers that, that was there. And his tomb at the bottom of the steps is where his tomb would lie. So when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, it wasn't as simple as just going, oh, I'm here. Lazarus, bound, mummified, had to walk upstairs. He had a part to play in his resurrection. It wasn't just God saying, come forth. Coming forth meant Lazarus had to get up and do some work. And he had to do it in the dark. Where he had no ability to see, no understanding. All he could do was trust. And he was doing it. And the thing I love about him being mummified is sometimes God will slow you down so that you just... You're at the pace that he needs you at so that you don't make the mistakes again. He's mummy, So he, it's not like he could just get up and walk upstairs. He's, he's doing one of these. Up the stairs. And by the time that the stone is removed, it revealed a man who had went four stories in the dark. Four stories in the dark. You have a part to play in your resurrection. You have a part to play in your greatest moves you ever make are the ones in the dark. Let me take the metaphor away. When you don't know what you're doing, when God doesn't give you all the answers, come on now, that's when you're going to see your faith emerge at a whole nother level. That's where the resurrection power, that's what resurrection power really is. What are you doing in the dark? What, what moves are you making when you can't see? Do you start tripping as soon as God uh, withholds some, some answers? Because God is really good at that. He, he doesn't always give you the details. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he'll show you what he showed Joseph. You're going to be this. Praise the Lord. Betrayal, betrayal, slavery, pit, Potiphar's wife. This dude was running from this chick, man. Like, he ain't even playing with that. <laughs> and then he gets to, gets to prison, <laughs> and he has to interpret other people's dreams. He's just trying to get his dream to come to pass. But it was his ability to not just think about his dream to position him for the palace. You ain't ready for your dream to come to pass if you can't if you can't at least be a part to play in somebody else's dream. Amen. That's what got him into the palaces. God gave him a unique factor to give description to a mystery of a pharaoh. In other words, this man had the ability to interpret dreams. We 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 typically interpret people's dreams better when we're stewarding our own. very hard to see with clarity what somebody else is going through when you're not diligently taking the necessary steps to secure your own dreams. It's all right? So watch what you do in the dark. Come forth. Come forth. Come forth. Remove the stone. Come forth. Come forth. What moves are you making when you can't see? Are you still trusting God or do you just are you paralyzed and you just sit here? You have a part to play in the resurrection of what God is trying to do in your life. Can you say amen to that? I want you to put that down if you can. In my notes, I just put this down that Lazarus had a part to play. Just say I have a part to play. I want you to remember that if you're taking notes, the moves that we make in the dark are usually the most significant. Man. It's funny, too, when it said that Lazarus was sick, the actual Greek word there for sick actually means unable to travel. Maybe that's what's going on in our life. 
is that you're stationary. Fear's got you paralyzed. You're stationary. You ain't making no moves right now. I'm going to tell you, you're going to look up 20 years, going to go by, you're still sick, unable to travel, not doing what... what that, that's how you know when somebody is really, really... Fear has captured their heart. They stop. I'll never forget when uh, we first got my dog, Cooper. Uh, this is the only dog Shawnee actually liked, by the way. And uh, we, we just got this dog. He was a rescue. I went and picked him up. He obviously had been treated kind of bad. Um, and because of his demeanor, sometimes he, he'll snap at the girls or something like that if they do certain things. And it's a defense mechanism because he's too little to actually be a threat. And um, long story short, I'll never forget the first week we get this dog. Now, we had just lost our other dog, and uh, so we was like, we, we want, still want a dog because I, I like animals. And uh, we get this dog. I thought I did good. I got him for $400, so I'm like, man, we saved a lot of money compared to what we paid for the last dog. And I said, man, this is really good. Man, the first week I get this dog, the girls let him out of the backyard, and the lady's walking a big old uh, black lab. And the black lab literally bites Cooper <laughs> in the face, has his entire face inside of his jaw and broke both of his jaws, and so I didn't know how to get the, get, because I'm like, man, get your dog, lady, get your dog, and he wouldn't, he would not let go, so I punched the dog in the head, I did, I fired on that dog, I didn't know what to do, I punched the dog in the head, and he let him go, praise God, and uh, he let him go, well, but Cooper, here's the thing that was amazing about Cooper, there was a point in the fight to where he had stopped struggling, the dog's power scared Cooper so bad that he literally was paralyzed. He did not even try to bite back. He was no longer even fighting back. And when the dog let him go, he was just laying there like this. The only thing that was broke was his jaws. You could still run, dude. But he stayed there. He's paralyzed because that's what fear does. That's what fear does. He didn't know what to do at that point. And so finally, I take him. We rush him to the hospital. It's more expensive to fix a dog than it is human and uh he's fine now but my point is that's what fear does is it causes us to stop moving to stop taking steps because when you're in the dark and you're in a dark season do you understand it's imperative that you establish a trust level with the holy spirit because he don't have darkness everything is light to him so when he says i want you to take a step here you may not understand why he's saying to do this, but if you'll do it, you'll see why he said it in the aftermath. Because you have to establish, dark seasons are seasons where he establishes trust. If you go back and look at the creation days in Genesis 1-5, it said that God created evening first, then day. The actual days that God, that God created, he actually started with the dark first. New creation, actually, when you get them words, it's a new season in your life, get ready for the lights to go out. Because that's what's happening. Every new day starts in the dark. So it's, it's, a, it's an imperative season that establishes trust with us. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it's difficult trusting God. It's really difficult because some of the things he says is so far from my reasoning. But you've got to remember when he says it, he doesn't have the fear that I have in my reasoning. I'm trying to protect myself. God's trying to get me to another place in him. When he says it, there's no fear attached to it because he is love and perfect love casts out fear. But when I am reasoning, a lot of time my reasoning is clouded by my own judgments that have been, um, that have been, you know, uh, that fear has infiltrated. And so it, it, it stops my reasoning from becoming what it's supposed to be. So 
Move in the dark. Trust the Father. If you're in a season right now, you don't know how in the world you're going to get out of this. Trust God. Listen to the Holy Spirit and just take the steps he's asked you to take. You got to learn to live by daily bread, y'all. God don't show up with groceries. He doesn't show up with groceries. You got to learn to live by daily bread. Come on, somebody. And, and that's what he does. He'll feed you a meal at a time. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Because he uses your hunger to guide you. Come on, come on, come on. Just keep following me. Come on, come on. And then pretty soon you go look up and say, my Lord, look how far I've come. Why? Because he was giving you daily bread. Every step of the way. If he gives you groceries, y'all going to cook it the way you want, season it the way you want, do it the way you want. And you're going to, I'm telling you, because we are the byproducts of our diets. It was, it, 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 was a, it, it was that joker's ability. Listen, God said, don't eat that fruit. It was an appetite situation that got us into this mess. You ain't going to get out of it with no discipline. <laughs> Amen? It's okay tonight? So let's, let's stand to our feet. So I just really feel and sense that the Holy Spirit's trying to develop us tonight. And here's what I want, I want to do. I just want you to bow your head. We're going to pray. If you need prayer tonight, um, the way we do it right now, unless the Holy Spirit speaks differently, um, the way that we do it is we're going to just have people uh, next to you, somebody that maybe you came with, pray with you. So if you need prayer, feel free to, to make a point of contact with them. But Father, I thank you right now for this season that we are in. Help us to trust you at a deeper level. Help us to trust your leading that you have never failed us. Matter of fact, you're the only one that has never failed us that we continue to doubt. God, dismantle all unbelief and fear in our lives. Father, we trust you and I'm asking God that you establish a greater trust with us, that we trust you even when we do not have all of the answers that we want to have in order to make us feel secure. Help us to trust you. Let your word be enough. Let your word be enough. Teach us to live by daily bread. Teach us to take each step as your spirit leads with confidence. Help us like Lazarus to play our part in the resurrection of what you're doing in our life. It's not just you saying come forth, but it is a, there's steps that we have to take in order to get out of the tomb. You bring us life, but we got to get out of the tomb. And I'm asking you, Father, right now that somebody in this place that's in this season tonight will hear the Holy Spirit and they will be encouraged to take the necessary steps. God, I'm asking you actually praying for courageous faith right now for people that they begin to take steps and and make decisions that that may even seem crazy but if it's spirit-led father you will give them the strength to be able to make those decisions i thank you father right now that we are growing up in you tonight and father our lives are not even going to look the same father as we begin to follow you thank you father for being with us every step of the way you're not just saying lazarus come forth you're actually with us in the steps you're actually there with us guiding us and leading us i thank you father right now help us to travel in your spirit help us to make the necessary movements father that help unleash the destiny that you put over our lives we thank you in the mighty name of jesus everybody shout amen